Parashas Naso, less than a week ago, we had Shavuos, the 3,334th time we had the energy of accepting the Torah, and um, and uh, now, um, now we're here, we got the Torah, so we got to learn it. So, Parashas Naso, a lot of fascinating things about it. One one good trivia question is the longest um, Torah portion. Most most verses, 170-something verses. And another salient feature that it seems to be rather repetitive. Now, we know the Torah doesn't waste any letters or any words. Certainly not many, many verses. And um, it's something which maybe we'll, we'll we'll have something to talk about tonight. So the first thing I wanted to, uh, I guess, point out is that in chapter seven, verse two, what does it say? It says the 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 main theme of this Torah portion it was the inauguration of the tabernacle, the inauguration of God's house. And um, and uh, there was a representative, a leader. The leader of each tribe would um, would brought a special gift towards the program, and that that's really what the whole Torah portion. A, a lot of it is. It lists the gifts that every day of the inauguration, a different leader from each tribe brought the same exact gift. Every single leader brought brought the same gift. And it says that who were these leaders? These were the leaders that had been leaders for a long time. So it was interesting. What, what is it referring to that they were leaders for a long time? So Rashi says that these were the leaders. How do they get their position? Because in Egypt, there was a very unfortunate situation that unfortunately our enemies over the years have employed many times, is that they put Jews in charge of other Jews to do their dirty work for them. We know in World War II, it was uh, pretty much the, the common situation that they, they, they forced Jews to uh, enslave other Jews. And Egypt, there was no different. And one of the things that these amazing leaders did was these leaders would not force the Jews to do the hard work, and they would take the brunt of the wrath of the Egyptians. And Rashi tells us this is what made them be the best leaders for the Jewish people. And it's interesting. I just was thinking about it. Today, I'm sitting in the yeshiva. And one of the Yeshiva Bachrim is taking a college course in leadership. And he said that his professor asked him to go to 10 people and get their one or two sentences on leadership. And he asked me. And I remember someone else told this to me. So most good things are not new. Most good things are, you know, ageless wisdom that maybe might have a different application in every generation, but I remember, so I shared with him, and I believe it's really straight from this Rashi, 
said a good leader is a person who takes, who is completely dedicated to the success of the people they're leading. They're not dedicated to their own success. They're dedicated to the success of the people that they're leading. And that was the qualifications for these leaders that they had nothing in it for themselves and were totally dedicated to their, their, the, the people under their um, jurisdiction. Famously, we have the blessing of the priests, the blessing that parents give their children on Friday nights, the blessing that we say it every day in davening, and most famously, it's really the words that the, the Kohanim the priests give to the whole Jewish people. They used to give it in the temple. In Israel, they do it every day in davening. And in, in Svartim actually do it in America too. But most people uh, do it by the holidays. And it's the first blessing is a little, you would think if there's such a, a few choice blessings that are being given, it's a little odd that the, fir- the whole first line seems to be about assets. Yivarecha Hashem v'yishmarecha is referring to that a person should have, should have assets, should have what they need in the physical world. And the question is, a blessing coming from the priests, you would think would be a blessing for, you know, working on our midos, spirituality, being close to God. But that's not Judaism. Judaism is about taking everything. Yiddishkeit is that everything can and is able to be used for a higher purpose. We say engage in the world. There's basically nothing in the world that you can't engage in it and somehow um, make it be used for a greater purpose. It can be used for kindness. It can be used for getting closer to God. Uh, and that and that that's what the the blessing is representing. We don't say don't worry about money. We don't say don't worry about food or clothing, or or even 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 the world's in, uh, joys and pleasures that it has. You're supposed to enjoy the world. Now, there's a little bit of a very misunderstood but hard to understand chapter, and that's the chapter that talks about the sota. Now, the sota is often, I would say, mistranslated or uh, as the wayward wife. And it's a very complicated, nuanced situation. And essentially, is there's a, a marriage that's not doing very well. And um, the sota process is there to somehow bring this marriage back to a good place. And the main way that it does that, there was this super natural um, process where they would take a cup of water and they would take fresh ink and write a number of verses on this paper. In those verses was God's name, which we know is a biblical prohibition. You know, you can't eat pork. You can't do these kind of things. You can't erase God's name. But yet, this is the only time where the we're instructed to, in order to bring peace to this to this couple, to we we take we scrape off God's name, the letters into the water, and the woman drinks the water, and that's hopefully a very helpful thing.
And the the famous idea that that we're supposed to learn from this again. If you want to understand all the details, you got to take the time to learn the details. Now, people like to like you know find something wrong with it and see how the Torah is not sensitive. But like with anything, you want to understand it. You got to study it. I want to get razor focused on this point because this is a point the Torah wants us to see. That we see that as how holy in God is God is and His name is. God says it's more important that my name be erased if that's going to help bring about peace to a couple. And we see that in general how sacred, how sacred the value of peace is in Judaism, peace amongst families, peace amongst friends, peace among communities, and peace in the world. And, and anytime you see, you might get a message, oh, wow, Judaism is not a, a, a religion of peace. Well, maybe search further and try to maybe educate yourself more because here we see that God himself is certainly not standing on a pedestal and God's highest priority is peace. We know as high as priority as it is to tell the truth, we're, we're told that a person could actually push the truth around in certain situations for, for peace. Peace is, is, um, is really up there. You know, there's so many things that if a person knows Judaism, they know the priorities. Peace is an extremely high priority. There's so many things that peace um, trumps. So many, you know, uh, ritual practices. Now, a person can get carried away with this. And a person could say, in the sake of peace, a person could drop the whole religion. Now, there's there's peace and there's being a doormat. A person has to know how to, um, a person's allowed to have values and still have peace. And, and having peace doesn't always mean giving in on your principles, but there's a way to go about things. Is a way about, and, and you have to work, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of wisdom. So that's a major priority that we see. Now, the last line of the priestly blessing is Yisa Hashem Panav Elecha. Hashem should make his face shine upon you. That's what the Kohen says to the Jewish people. God should make his face shine on you. Now, what does it mean to me to make God's face shine on us? Now, we're familiar with the famous adage from Ethics of the Fathers, where it says, the heve mekabel es kola adam, every, I, should ex, I should greet every person, besever panem yafos, which means, it's a very unusual word, it seems with a pleasant expression of my face. It's a very interesting thing to say. So I saw once, I forgot where I saw it, that the Torah is giving us instructions how to greet people. And it's not a simple thing. And this is what, when we understand how a person does it, we can understand what we're asking Hashem to do. The first thing is, and this is not easy in 2020, is that we are facing the person. You know how common it is to walk down the street, you see someone, I can know myself, you know, I'm about to, let's say, try to be friendly, and the next thing I know, by the time the person gets to me, they're looking down, or they're looking to the sky, or they're looking at their phone, 
or they're looking glazily ahead, trying desperately not to make eye contact with me. And we all do this. And unfortunately, that's, that's the uh, day we live in. But we all know that how uh, powerful it is when someone gives us that attention. They actually, because I can, I can welcome you without even looking at you. I just was at the uh, airport last week. I went to the counter. And for the first minute, the woman who was taking care of me, I haven't even seen her face. She was typing, looking at the computer, talking to me, license, tickets, right? So I'm not saying, you know, she probably has a lot to do and she's very fast, but our society today lends itself. So the first thing the Torah says is the proper way to give respect to people is the first thing is, is, is to, to show people your face. It's a simple, simple thing. The next thing it says is besever, which means expression. I want not only do I show you my face, I show you a face that is interested in you. And the last thing is the obvious one, a pleasant face. I can show you that I'm interested and I could be interested in you in a very uh, um, not friendly way. I can show you my face and it'd be not friendly, but there is to show you my face, I'm interested in you, and I'm being pleasant. And that is what we're asking God. We're asking for God's attention and pleasant attention towards us. Uh, and that's a huge thing. If you have, we have God looking at us, paying attention to us in a pleasant way, then we're in good shape. Now, it's helpful because we live in a society where this is a very hard thing to do. And I don't blame anybody for, for doing this. It's, it's, it's just a little bit of a pandemic that we have, that we just have a hard time, probably because of our phones and our technology. But the reality is it's hard. So if we understand why it's hard to do, then the next time we uh, try are trying to avoid someone, we can maybe try to under, A, understand and help ourselves to do it, and also maybe not to get upset at the other person when they're not doing it. So the first thing is that it's 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 a kavod thing. You know, why should I take of my attention and give you attention? That's one. That's one simple thing. It's a little bit subconscious. You know, you know why you should have to get my attention. You know, you should reach out to me and say, oh, good morning. And then I'll look at you. Why should I have to be the one to initiate it? And that's the subconscious thing. But probably much more prevalent is that we are we are we are scared we're insecure because we're nervous let's say we give the other person attention we give them respect and we don't get it reciprocated and this is often in many situations why we often aren't as nice or as open or as respectful to other people as we ought to be because we're nervous to make ourselves vulnerable that we won't get it back. And really, we got to do the right thing, regardless of whether we get it back or not. And the reality is most people will appreciate it. I'm a person, uh, I, I meet a lot of people, and my job is to engage them, whether it's for business or whether it's for finance or whether it's for, for to engage them in Judaism or just to be their friend, to introduce them to the community. And I can tell you, very rarely do people not appreciate when you reach out to them. Most of the time, 
people appreciate it. They, oh, someone, someone respected me. Respect is an extremely rare commodity today. And if you can give someone respect, they will respect you back. Um, this is just all over the Torah. We find how you, you can lift, you can change someone's life by just, you know, giving them the time of day, paying attention to them. There's an interesting thing here in the, in the, in the Torah portion. There is the concept called uh, a Nazir. What is a Nazirite? So a, uh, a Nazirite is someone who makes a promise. And the promise is that he's not going to have wine um, uh, for about a month. He's going to let his hair grow. A certain amount, he's disengaging from the world. And this was something that um, Rashi explains that if someone experienced this whole very crazy, very unusual experience of of um, the sota, the, the the couple who's having this procedure done in the temple, which whatever you say, whoever's fault it is, it's not a very good situation, and a person could be impacted by it. And so there's a couple of pieces I want to focus on. The Talmud says that the, the Nazir, after his 30-day period of abstaining from different things in this world, he has to bring a sin offering. So the question is, why would he have to bring a sin offering for refraining from having wine and a number of other activities? And the Talmud says that, you know what, sometimes a person may have to take certain measures and, and because of a particular situation. But in general, we are obligated and we are expected to enjoy this world. Yes, we have, to, yeah, we have parameters for it. But the Torah, God wants us to enjoy the world. And if we don't enjoy the world, God is going to ask us why. In fact, it's kind of you saying, you might ask yourself, well, what does God care? <laughs> Isn't it my, my bad if I don't enjoy it? Well, it's kind of like, let's say I loaned you my car or I loaned you money. And I loaned it to you because... I wanted you to, I, th I thought I was doing you a favor. I thought you were going to take advantage of the privilege of using my asset. And then I come back and I see you haven't used my car at all. Or I see you haven't used the money that I loaned you. Or I see you didn't eat the food that I gave you. It could be a very frustrating experience because I went through the time and effort to give you something and you didn't use it. Now, we're supposed to look at our stay in this world as one long, tremendous privilege. Every moment alive is a privilege. It's an opportunity to, to grow, to, to, to achieve, to enjoy. And that is what it's about. So I, as, as my first grader, he, uh, he repeats this from me. Uh, you have to be careful. It's great when little, little kids repeat what you say. But we always say if Judaism is supposed to be enjoyable, 
And if you're not finding Judaism to be enjoyable, then you probably have the wrong version. Got to get a, what's it called? What do they call it today when you're, when your technical device needs the uh, the updated version. So now, if your version of Judaism is finding you not enjoying it, then we, you got to get it. You got to find out what you're what you're doing because it's not Judaism. Let's see another idea or two, and we'll do a quick review. Um, it's interesting. So you have these thousands and thousands of dollars were spent by these uh, leaders of each tribe, and they gave the same exact present. Each, it was a beautiful thing, but there was one thing that they shared. The Torah says that the wagons that transported the presents, they shared wagons. And everybody asks, why are we, if we're spending Imagine someone spends tens of thousands of dollars to go on vacation to Disneyland, and then they, you know, want to like be cheap on some ridiculous thing to save fifty cents. Seems kind of ridiculous. So why are these princes sharing wagons? And Rashi says, the commentators say, and Soporno says. It's the show that as rich and capable that I am, or smart or strong, whatever it might be, I need you. We need to be together. So they were trying to say, you know what? Each of us, we got plenty of money. We got plenty of money and plenty of assets, but we need we need each other. Person, as soon as a person thinks they don't need anybody, then they're in big trouble. So it, they're trying to show us the concept of Achtas. And, and sometimes it seems ridiculous. There are times when it's like, you know what? I could do this better myself. Now, there are times where you can't do everything together. You know, you can't. Too many chefs spoils. You know, you can't. There are lots of things you can't. You don't have to do everything together. But you have to do some things together. The Torah talks all about people who just stay to themselves and have no connection with anyone and it's very, in fact, is it's so many times where it's a mitzvah, just even if sometimes people get hyper-focused that like, well, we can have achdus if we're davening together, if we're saying tillin together, if we're making food together, but just to spend time together, just for the, to shoot the breeze, that's not important. No, we find in the commentators that just connecting with other people is a mitzvah. That is a mitzvah by itself. Connecting to other people is a mitzvah. Um, one last thing. So, it's interesting, these sacrifices that were brought by the princes. So there's a general rule that sacrifices, personal sacrifices, were not allowed to be brought on Shabbos. Shabbos is a day we don't engage in many things. So personal sacrifices were not accepted in the temple. Public sacrifices were. So the commentators ask, why were these presents from the princes allowed to be brought on Shabbos? And the answer is that 
these sacrifices were public. Why were they public? Because think about what happened. On the first day, the first prince came out with this $100,000 gift for the temple. Now, what would have been normal would have been the next day for the next prince to one-up and give a little more. So Nisan al-Bensuwar said, you know, I'm not going to do that. I am going to give the exact same present the guy before me did. And that way he did such a, a gift for anyone because now no one felt they had to keep up with the Joneses. A lot of times I may say, you know what? I have, I'm talented. I have money. I have capability. I can do this. And, and if other people can't do it, who cares? Always say no. When I do something, I have to think, how is this going to, is this going to apply pressure to someone else? Now, sometimes you have to do things. And that is why it was considered a, a permitted sacrifice, because even when they were bringing their individual sacrifices, they were thinking about other people. And that's an amazing thing. A lot of times we can get caught up with our own service to God, our own self-advancement, but we always have to keep in mind we can't step on people along the way. You know, just you know, just to give an example, you know, I on um, this past Shavuos night, so for years I've been giving classes on Shavuos night. And this past year was an interesting year for me. I didn't have, for the past Baruch Hashem, my three older boys are all in yeshiva. This was the first year in over 10 years I didn't have my own children with me staying up all night. It was my, because my younger kids are, uh, they were sleeping. So it was an interesting thing. I was very happy. All my boys were in yeshiva. That's where they belonged. All my younger boys belonged in bed. So here I am, the, over 10 years, I, can, I think it's been over 10 years since I didn't have one of my uh, boys with me. So I didn't have my boys with me. And I also, for the first time in very long time, I wasn't giving a class for, on, um, on Schwartz night either. And, and somebody asked me, why are you not giving a class? And I said, you know, there's different times in life. And right now, I, it seems to be the best thing to do is to let other people give classes. I'm giving many classes. I don't need to give a class on Shavuos night. I actually was very happy. I had some of my own Torah study, which I was able to study myself the whole night, which I was very happy to do. But a lot of time, a person has to think when you're going to do something, you know, you know, are you, are, are you, are you, how is this affecting other people? And there are many other people who it, it made much more sense for them and I think I had the opportunity to give many, many, many classes and um, the right thing to do. Uh, and it was great. I got to do what I needed to do and they got to do what they needed to do. And that is the lesson from these people that whenever you're doing, you got to do, you got to see how is it going to impact other people. So quick review. First thing we said, we said the Jewish leaders became leaders because of what they were willing to sacrifice for other people. A leader is not necessarily someone who is the most talented, or the most charismatic, and the most powerful, but it's the person who's the most dedicated to the people that they're leading. We learned that how in Judaism, uh, uh, it is a blessing to have physical things. Because we say physical things 
can be elevated and be used for a good purpose. We learn how, how important it is to have peace. God is even willing to erase his own name, have his name erased. We learned about how to be pleasant to other people, to give them respect, to look at them, to show interest in them, and certainly to show pleasantness to other people. And, and we, we discussed why a person might not do that sometimes and how we should really, we can make a big impact in someone's day in life by doing that. We learned how you're supposed to enjoy the world. We learned how not to pressure other people and how we can be impacted by other people. And lastly, that we need, everyone needs everybody. Um, and that is, is where you gotta make space for other people. And you see how it, what you do can hurt or impact other people. So I have a wonderful first Shabbos after Shavuos and uh, have a wonderful Shabbos. And uh, thanks for listening wherever you end up listening this to. I hear I know the weeks don't email me from Chicago. I had no idea. They're listening to it. Someone told me that they they jog every morning to this. So I have no idea who's going to hear this. If you hear it and I don't know who you are, let me know. I'd love to know who you are. Um, and thank you for listening. Good Shabbos.